Hey everybody, this is Longhorn Confidential for Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Danny Davis with the Austin American Statesman. I am joined by Kirk Bowles and Cedric Golden. Thomas Jones has been having some technical difficulties this morning, so hopefully he'll be able to jump on here at some point um, so we can all make fun of him for his little microphone incident on a LHN yesterday, if you were able to catch Steve Sarkeesian's press conference, uh, we had ourselves a statesman blooper, but uh, that's neither here or there. Uh, we appreciate you all watching us on YouTube or the statesman website or listening to us wherever you your podcast. But let's talk some football. We were off last week. I missed you guys. Uh, let's get let's get right back to it. Uh, do some Longhorn confidentially. Um, we're a couple days removed from Texas 31, Houston 24. Um, we were all in the press box uh, down there in Houston. They fed us well. Texas got off to a 21 to nothing lead. I thought we were going to be riding at halftime and getting them back down the road, back to Austin, but did not necessarily happen that <laughs> way. Houston actually rallied, tied the game twice in the end. CJ Baxter, 16-yard touchdown run with five minutes and some change left ended up being the difference. Obviously, the big storyline was Quinn Ewers got hurt in the third quarter. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but um, kind of just looking at this win. Kirk, we'll start with you. Is a win a win, or is there something for these uh, Texas fans, Texas players, Texas uh, nation to be a little bit concerned with? Is this a sign of bad things to come? It is a win, but there's a very large asterisk by it because mm-hmm. they didn't play well. And, uh, you know, they didn't play well against Oklahoma. They they could have won both, could have lost both, you know. So it's just the trend seems not the best for a team that was just cruising you know, for five weeks and just kind of, you know, meeting every challenge. So I don't know. I've, I've got some concern and the quarterback is one and obviously the secondary and then the lack of a pass rush are two others. So I'm not going to say their, their pass defense is in disarray, but you know, now they're facing starting quarterbacks, you know, not that run of a, backup quarterback like Jason Bean and Evan Savota. And yeah, and look at these numbers, guys. Uh, Milrow, Dylan Gabriel, Donovan Smith, 918 yards and six touchdowns. The other four games against backups, they averaged 181 yards per game passing. So it's clearly made a difference. And I don't know, it just makes me kind of feel like maybe we need to reevaluate this defense to a certain degree. Said, if you're a Texas fan, are you happy that they just got a win or able to move on, move up a spot in the poll? Or are you uh, are you concerned? Are you starting to freak out a little bit? Oh, my. All I know is one AP voter who will remain nameless moved him down in his poll. I'm not I'm not calling out any oh, names. Oh, no, I stayed the same. I left did you? Did uh, you? I left you stayed the same and everybody else moved him a little <laughs> bit up, right? So that is true. That's <laughs> what happened. So. That's- at this point, Daniel's style points can't matter. Queen Ewers is over in a sling. He's hurt. And now you just got to win. And you got to hope that your cachet and your blue-bloodedness is going to carry favor with the voters in the CFP if you run this Big 12 table and beat the Sooners again. But first things first, you've got to take care of business against BYU and a senior quarterback in Keaton Slovis. And like the Ducks said, they're finally facing some real guys now, some guys who have played a lot of football 
some Dylan Gabriel types. And so, and that's going to be what, what determines if they make it or not. They're banged up back there. Ryan Watts is hurt. Well, they miss him. Yeah. Jade Barron thought he was getting a day off. Trust. Yeah. He thought he was getting a day off when they were up 21 nothing. All of a sudden, he's back in there with that toe. So, it's a lot. It's a lot right now. Uh, I think they're fortunate to be where they are, but they're going to have some problems uh, if Quinn doesn't get back. If Quinn is more of a four-week thing than a two-week thing, they could have some problems uh, in the second half of this season. Um, Thomas, let's uh, let's test out your audio, see if uh, that's working. Uh, uh, is it win a win, or is this a sign of concern for Texas fans? Well, let's see how my technical difficulties are doing. Um, you sound great. A, okay, thanks. A win is a win, but there's if they're playing like this, as Duck said, they're not going to win the rest of. They're going to have difficulties keeping winning because they're facing some real quarterbacks. They're facing some teams that are getting better, like Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, they have to fix some problems, or these wins that are just wins, they're not going to be wins. Simple as that. And, and they're they're not healthy. And the coaches have talked about the depth on this team. It, it's not that deep yet. You know, this isn't Alabama circa 2015. They still need depth, especially at secondary, especially at the pass rush. And without those, um, they're going to have some issues. I do think they'll win this weekend, but they're going to have issues. I'm kind of a, of the belief that a win's a win. If you keep winning, everything's going to turn – out for themselves. I mean, I'm sure as Kirk could tell you since he fills out a ballot every week, that top 10 was a kind of a mess this past week. UNC lost. Washington has the Heisman front runner by far and he, they scored 15 points. Um, USC, which isn't the top 10 anymore, but they have the rating Heisman trophy winner and they're pretty much done, done for the season. I mean, there were some interesting scores and some teams that are Oklahoma, you know, we were watching that in the press box and they got by UCF at the very end. And UCF is not a great, great team. So I kind of think if you're a Texas fan, you're happy with the win. Obviously, there's things you need to be concerned about with this team. But um, I don't think beggars can be choosers. And you just kind of take those wins and you just keep it keep it moving. And it's a lot better than the alternative of, of, of reacting to a loss. So um, kind of going off that game, we mentioned some names. Um you know, we, we expect the usual suspects to step up in these games, but this uh, seven-point win over over Houston had some un, unsung heroes. Um, you know, the Savion Reds, maybe even a Jade Barron, um, Keelan Robinson. So who's kind of your unsung hero of the game? Who's the, who's the MVP that's not your Jonathan Brooks, not your Xavier Worthy? It's kind of the, the under underrated star. Seth, we'll start with you. Michael Taft. Michael Taft. Former walk-on. Westlake could have gone somewhere and played, but wanted to come to Texas and, and has shown himself worthy of playing time. He goes up and he makes the biggest defensive play of the year, reminiscent of, of Snacks Colburn causing that fumble against K-State. It was huge. Um, it it saved him. I mean, it 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 it, it actually and 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 I don't know if anyone on this call really believes they're going to make the CFP now that Quinn's hurt. I'm very skeptical of that. Skeptical of that. But I will say that interception kept that dream alive because if they lose that game, we're not talking about CFP anymore. I mean, we're 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 maybe mentioning the the dreaded A word, and I'm not going to say it to Daniel. 
I'm not going to say it to Daniel. I don't want to ruin Daniel's day. What do you call him? He knows what I'm talking Huh? What are you calling him? Starts with an A? I'm not calling him that. I'm oh, just okay, okay. The, Another the, one. Ga- the game that he doesn't want to cover ever again. <laughs> it, it could be in the mix if they lose that one. So the A word is, is less offensive to me, to be quite, quite, quite it's honest. It's the city. It's the city, which is worse because <laughs> I love that city. But I, I believe he saved not only their their CFP hopes, but still kept them firmly entrenched as a favorite to make it to the Big 12 title game. So Michael Tapp is my guy. PJ, who's your who's your own sung hero of the Houston game? Well, first of all, if we're talking about certain bowl games, there was a representative of the Pop-Tarts Bowl in Houston Saturday, for what that's worth. I don't think Texas <laughs> want to be playing in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. A long that's, the thing. <laughs> that's the thing? The Pop-Tarts <laughs> Bowl is a thing? Yeah, we, we may all be going there, so be careful what you talk about. Now – you might be going. I'm not. <laughs> Look, Jalen Ford is not. Uh, Jalen Ford is is never to be confused with an under the radar, underappreciated player. But he's been a little quiet this year. Let's be honest. He leads the league in tackles, but he hasn't made a lot of impact plays until Saturday when they needed him. He had a big sack and he had a big strip sack, forced to fumble uh, against Houston in the second half, and that that was just one of the bigger plays of the season. And Jalen really needed that for his All-American reputation, you know. Um, I, I think that was just a, a really big play by a player who was due for a big play because he hasn't had that many of them this year. I don't know if we're going to allow Jalen Ford to be our unsung hero. <laughs> kind of like me saying, I think the unsung hero of this NBA season that's about to tip off is some guy named LeBron James. I don't know if you all have heard of him. Uh, you compare uh, Jalen Ford to LeBron James? Hoo-wee! I agree with Michael Taft, but said took Taft from me, so I improvised. You could have just agree with what Uncle said. It's all good. No, no, Kirk, all good. Uh, Kirk who do you want to do? You want to pick Xavier Worthy, um, Jatavian Sanders, some of these under the radar offensive guys? Who are you going to go with? No, I'm going to play your game honestly and ethically. And yes, Michael Taft, eight tackles. He he was uh, very very good. I'm going with the obvious elephant in the room, Ryan Sanborn, the punter. And only three punts, 52 yards a game. He had a 59-yarder. And and get this, guys. You know, he's averaging over 47 yards a punt. But he's only punted 17 times. He doesn't even qualify for the national rankings. I don't like that. I don't like when they say that. I know. He's not punting enough. Because if he's the starting punter, that should be enough. Because just because his team is that good, I know didn't disqualify him. So a crappier team team's punter will qualify, but no, he should qualify. He's he's eighth in the nation if you just look at the yardage, and he's had seven uh, fifty yard plus punts. He hadn't had a punt blocked, so he's eight punts short of qualifying, so he's going to have to pick it up, but uh, I'm going so to go. He, so if he, if he ends up qualifying, we're going to end up in a bad bowl game. That's what you're oh, saying. Michael Dixon was MVP, remember, at the old Pop-Tart Bowl. <laughs> what was is the it? Texas Bowl, what was is the Pop-Tart Bowl the old Texas Bowl? Am I missing is, something? Is that the one in Texas in Houston? I think it's PJ? the one in Orlando. Orlando, okay. I'm not a big pop tart guy. I'll go to the Tostitos. I, I could, I could get next to some pop tarts to go see the Miles. I'm You're not, not eating 
Pop Tart. Where's the oh, Chick Fil A? I want to go see the mouse. Oh, you don't grow up. Where's the Chick Fil A bowl? I'll go to that one. Who do you got, Danny? Um, I'll go with uh, Savion Red. I think Texas is kind of fine. Found a nice, nice little, nice. Um, nice, nice little thing with this Wildcat formation. It's not the same Wildcat that they were running with Roshan the last couple of years. Um, Savion has kind of found his niche and um, a guy who's been kind of versatile for this team. But wide receiver last year, running back slash Wildcat quarterback this year. Threw a pretty big block on uh, the key kickoff return for Keelan Robinson, who also deserves a shout out for kind of setting them up on on that last drive when they kind of needed everything to go right because Malik was still trying to get his his feet wet and kind of get used to being in the game. So that kickoff return was huge, and you know, in addition to Keelan returning it, Savion threw a huge block. So um, he's been getting a lot of love from his teammates and his coaches in the last week or so, and he probably deserves. Um, deserves every bit of it and maybe now that this offense has to change a little bit with uh, Quinn being out we may see a little bit more of number 17 uh, back there heading forward but uh, let's preview this next week Uh, Texas moved up to number seven in the AP poll they are six and one three and one in big 12 play BYU is coming to town five and two overall two and two in the conference Saturday at 2 30 if you're watching at home it will be on ABC um you know, aside from the obvious, so this is a Steve Sarkeesian reunion since he was the quarterback for the Cougars in 95 and 96. So there are probably some um, nice exchanges before the game. But once things actually get down to business, um, there's really only one question we need to talk about. And that is the quarterback position. Uh, Steve on Monday said Quinn is week to week with his shoulder, AC joint uh, issue, um, whatever exactly that means. What it does mean is on this weekend, um, Quinn will not be starting. Uh, looks like probably Malik Murphy. That's at least who would have been starting if that game was played on Monday. Arch Manning is also a possibility. Um, Steve will have to decide throughout this week of practice. But as of Tuesday at 3.20 p.m. when we're recording, uh, mm-hmm. Kirk, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, who are you picking? Who's your who's your starting quarterback? Who are you going to try out there against the Cougars? I'm going to go with Malik all day long. Uh, I just think he's proved it. I think he's earned it. I think he wowed everybody in the spring game. I think he's probably got more confidence, just having been in the system a year and a half that Arch does, since Arch hadn't even been on the field yet. And uh, I know if Arch takes two steps on that field, DKR is going to break some decibel levels, you know, uh, because of that uh, surname. But and and I wouldn't be opposed to playing both of them, guys. You know, change of pace, give them different looks. Maybe one of them catches fire. But I, I truly think Malik, who may have the strongest arm in all of college football, maybe. You know, I think he deserves it and has earned it. And I think I think the team will rally around him. Because, boy, when we talked to the players yesterday, guys, I think you'd all agree it was a love fest. You know, they love this guy. He's a – sounds like a born leader. And – uh so I'm all in the uh, Malik uh, bandwagon. I, I would agree. I think Malik won the backup job. He deserves to be the next next man up and get that next shot. I can't get that image of the that long that long ball to John Tay Cook in the spring game out of my head. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. I think because Quinn was a five star and Arch was a five star, people kind of looked down at Malik, but he was a four star himself. And at one point during his recruiting process, was also a five star. So there's a lot of untapped potential there and um he's at least played a little bit he hasn't played a ton only has eight passes to his name but he's at least gotten his feet wet in the college game where arch is still waiting to make his debut so i think malik is the safer bet but you never know that's why i don't make millions of dollars i don't I, i'm not paid to make those decisions uh said how, how about you 
Gotta go with Malik. He's um, paid his dues. He's earned the job. He wowed us in the spring. He's got the tools. Uh, it's a high octane offense with those receivers, and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to pull back and make it ground chuck, but uh, I know that they have enough running backs where they can get him comfortable and then set up some 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 uh, shots lately. I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring. And you guys were all there Monday. Didn't y'all get a sense that that his teammates are excited to see what he's going to bring? I mean, Christian Jones, his eyes are sparkling. Those guys are excited. Kelvin Banks, hey, your time's coming. Your time's coming. I, I, lo I love the fact that they have rallied behind him and that this thing isn't all of a sudden off the rails because Quinn's gone. Um, I think he's going to make plays. Um, he's new, and so it might be some growing pains. And and I really hope that Sark doesn't have him on a short leash. I want to see him. Um, I want to see him be able to make mistakes and still be in there and play play and um, hopefully lead them to a win. I think that short leash is also something that should be told to the fans because I think we all kind of know what's going to happen the first time he throws a pick. If uh, some of those fans have been wanting to see Arch on the sideline, I think Sark will be patient enough, but the fans probably need to give Malik a little wiggle room too. Um, Thomas, how about you? Well, number one, since we're talking about BYU, I'm going to plug a story on statesman.com. You guys go read it. Danny wrote a fascinating piece about Sark's days back in the 90s playing quarterback. Really good read. Number two, our bosses want to see Arch Manning because the page used to be off the hook. Number three, of course, Malik should start. He's paid his dues. He's he's earned the respect of his teammates. He has a massive arm. He is your big, traditional pocket passer. I would love to see the running game get going so Malik can do some play action, take some deep shots. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Malik play a full game. Hey, guys, don't you think it would be putting too much pressure on Arch to make him trot out there for the first snap? Yeah, yeah. I think so, but he's a man. He's a man, and this is the University of Texas. I mean, it, yeah. that's that's kind of what you say. I'm not really worried about the he pressure. Grew up with, he grew up with D1 NFL football at his grandfather's, at his at his uncle's, and, and, and yeah, no. There are a I, lot of offspring. Arch, Arch would be ready for this moment. He's, I, he's, I don't he's know if he is or not. I, I think he'd, he'd be – Mentally, but he just hadn't done it. So there are tons of neither's Malik. Neither's Malik. So Malik hasn't either. So. Oh, he's been on the field. He More hasn't started. He hasn't started. You said start. So that's what I say. I think it's just it should, it should be Malik. But if I don't think Arch is going to soil his pants when he runs out there, he ran out there as a starter. I just think it'd be putting undue pressure on a guy. Well, this yeah, guy thinks going to be in the NFL one day. I mean, you, you throw you throw a, um, a seedling out of the, the nest, and he's going to fly, or he's going to face plant. Arch won't face plant. Don't you don't it. know game one. You don't know what he'll do. Neither does Sark. No, I, I I don't think he'd be horrible. I don't. I'm not saying he is. Then what are you saying? I'm saying this puts too much pressure on him. I think there's it's a, a pressure sport. It's football. This is not chess. Well, let's put Arch out there. He'd be the lead on Sports Center then. Oh, what? Good. He's a Manning. His uncles are killing Monday Night Football ratings. He's a Manning. He's built for it. Oh, so he's definitely because he's a Manning. He's a Manning. It's in his DNA. Stop it. Hopefully, he'll be great. Uh, hopefully, I mean, 
because I want my prediction to be correct. Uh, we will not see that actually happen on, on <laughs> Saturday. But um, really quickly, we'll kind of go around the room because we're kind of going a little, a little long. But who is one long one that needs to step up in Quinn, Quinn Ewer's absence? We're not going to include Malik or Arsenal's discussion. Um, Thomas, we'll start with you. I, I'm going to go with five because I'm talking about an offensive line. Uh, Texas is going to have to get the running game going and not wait. They're going to have to get it going early, often. It's the best way to keep the pressure off any new quarterback, even if it's Arch, but it will be Malik. Seth? An inexperienced quarterback's best friend is the tight end. Jatavian Sanders, it's time. It's time for one of those six-catch, 80-yard, one-touchdown performances. And when things bog down, Jatavian Sanders is going to be open. I think he's been largely ignored in this offense because there's such a bevy of weapons. But I think it, this is the game where Jatavian Sanders may may really uh, have, have a big chain-moving type of performance that's going to make it easier on Malik Murphy. Kirk? I could make it an all-tight end show because BYU's got a tight end with 22 career touchdowns. A lot, man. Wreck, so it could be a lot of activity. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ryan Watts. They they need to get him back in the lineup and keep acting like he's close. You remember last week he said everybody's practicing, you know, and then we didn't see Ryan Watts. But with, you know, other guys getting nicked up, Catalan didn't suit up. I mean, uh, Terrence Brooks uh, got nicked up a little bit. So did Gavin Holmes. Maybe we see Jade Barron at cornerback some more. But I'm going to say Ryan Watts just – there's pressure on him to, to to get in and fix some of what's been ailing that secondary. Who you got, Danny? I'll go with Jonathan Brooks. I mean, he's a Doak Walker candidate, had a very fine start to the season, was good in the Houston game, led them in rushing, had eight receptions, kind of got to show off his hands a little bit. Um, he wants to kind of, you know, improve that candidacy and, you know, really become a front runner for that award. I think them leaning on that rushing attack with him and CJ Baxter, who looks healthy and is kind of coming back. I think that's a, Good way to do it. Uh, Kirk alluded to it with uh, Ryan Watts in the secondary. Kind of been banged up. I know Kirk's going to write on that later this week. But um, how do you think the secondary is going to fare against a BYU, excuse me, BYU quarterback, uh, Keaton Slovis, who's a veteran, has had a couple stops in his his career, but um, obviously a veteran arm back there. How do you, is this still trouble in the secondary? Or do you think they kind of get right um, on Saturday? Seth, we'll start with you. I think they get right, but not because uh, they're they're going to do anything great. I think it's because the, I think the Texas can get after him on the front end, which will ease the pressure on on some of these guys that are that are stepping in for Ryan Watts. Um, hadn't been a great season for the secondary so far, but and I think it's coincided with the injuries. But he's gonna he's he's a he's a cool customer. I watched him at Pitt. He's got 12 touchdowns and four picks, and two of those two of those picks were off deflection. So I think I think that he's not going to be a a a shrinking violet in this. But I think if um if if the big boys up front, Sweat, Broaden, Collins, those guys, if they can get after him, uh, and and yeah, those those defensive ends gonna have to show me something besides Ebert, Burst Baron, Sorrel Ben. Uh, if they can get after him up front, then it's going to make make things a lot easier, and then they may be able to turn him over a couple of times. Kirk, I think there's going to have some moments where Slovis you know lights him up a little bit. Here's a guy that's at 44 starts. You know he's thrown 80 touchdown passes, uh, almost 11 11,500 yards, and 
he won't be intimidated or at all. So, uh, and they don't turn over the ball a lot. They, they get a lot of interceptions on defense and they don't give up many. So I think, you know, Slovis will have some uh, success, but uh, I think Texas will be ready for it because they probably don't expect BYU to run very much. You know, they only average 79 yards a game running and they got a true freshman LJ Martin out of El Paso, who's their leading rusher. So I think it's uh, Slovis in that secondary. They'll, Need to come up with some turnovers, more takeaways, kind of like they did in Houston on Saturday. Hey, Jeff. I, I think there's a perfect storm to, to for Texas secondary to have a tough night. Uh, like Kirk referenced, they don't run the ball much. They're last in Big 12. I think they'll just choose to throw it all night long. You're talking about the pass rush set. I mean, Ethan Burke's probably not going to play. He's our most consistent pass rusher from the edge. Texas have been struggling in the pass rush. I don't know if they can get that much pressure on Slovis. I think Slovis will probably throw it 40 or 50 times Saturday. I really do. Um, and it's going to could be a long night for a secondary that is banged up. We'll see. I think this is a good chance for them to to get right. Um, I do not I haven't seen much film on uh, on on Keaton, but he doesn't appear to be much of a running threat. So I don't think this is going to be a match, uh, a, a rematch of the G- Dylan Gabriel experience from a couple of weeks. And Donovan Smith obviously can move a little bit. So I don't think that's a concern for Texas. It's really just going to be a matter of who is healthy and how many guys that can trot out there. I mean, if they're playing third stringers, second stringers, third stringers, yeah, sure, you'd be concerned. But if they can get some of those guys healthy, um, if Ryan Watts can can go this week, if um, you maybe don't need Jody on a corner, you can put him back as nickel position, although um, Jalen Gilbo did play well in the Houston game. Um, I, I think this is a chance for them to, to get right against a quarterback who I don't think is one of the top three, four quarterbacks in this uh, in this conference, even though he does have some, you know, n- a nice long resume. I just don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks Texas is going to see this season. Um, like I mentioned earlier, BYU is five and two. Obviously, they've they've had some success this season. Texas, though, heavily favored and still on track to get back to the Big 12 championship game, but they really can't afford another loss. Looking at this game, looking at the other games on the schedule really quick, which game concerns you? Is it this game? Is this game the game that trips Texas up, or is there another game you're concerned about? Seth, we'll start with you. Uh, now, that, now that Quinn's no longer uh, the quarterback, if he's not quarterback and at the TCU game as bad as they've been, uh, bad TCU teams in Fort Worth always pose problems for Texas. So um, I worry about them on the road. So that would be the one that I would have circled, even though TCU is not that good this year. Um, but, you know, every, every team's going to give them their best shot. So that would be the one in Fort Worth. So that you sound like a Texas player. It's saying everyone's going to give Texas their their best shot. Kirk, uh, Kirk, who's who concerns you on the schedule? Oh, I, same as always, K-State, I think. You know, they're out there going to kind of a two-quarterback system. Uh, the, the guys that can run, too, I think, uh, give them some problems. And they boxed TCU's ears last – we were like 41-7, something like that. So, uh, and, and you know, that. So I'm going to go with K-State. But they ought to be glad they're not playing Oklahoma State because, you know, that's been one of their bigger nemesis. And they're kind of on a, on a heater now, one in three in a row. So – Maybe the Cowboys will do uh, Texas a favor and knock off Oklahoma. EJ, who's your who's your pick? It's, it's that that trip to Iowa State in mid November. The weather is probably going to be terrible. Could be windy. Could be wet. And you know, Matt Campbell's reminding everyone why he's a really good coach this year. I would say it's four and three, despite that gambling scandal in the off season that took away 
Hunter Deckers, their starting quarterback, hasn't played along with some other players. They got this kid named Rocco Becht, a four-star kid from Wiregrass High School in Florida, and he's balling out. And I think Iowa State is peaking right now. I think they could give Texas some problems. I'll, I'll agree it's said. Uh, Fort Worth on the road, regardless of the Horn Frogs record, they'll have that place packed and um, you know ready to go. And Texas just struggled going down to Houston in, in a road game. So I'll agree with that. Although I am still somewhat, if I'm a Texas fan, concerned about that Tech game, even though Tech is awful this season. But um, that will be their Super Bowl, their chance to spoil you know Texas' season with the commission, the, one of those nice boxes upstairs. So I'll also say watch out for that Tech game. Um, like I said, this game is at Saturday, 2 2.30 p.m. Not the only event going on around campus as we look around the 40 acres. The volleyball the volleyball team, um, they'll be home against number 20, Baylor. Texas is ranked fifth currently in the ABCA poll. That's Thursday night. That's Friday night at Rick Gregory Gym. Um, say hi to TJ if you see him out there. Uh, tonight, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, orange-white scrimmage for the women's basketball team, ranked 13th in the preseason poll, the AP poll. So you can get a sneak preak of the sneak peak of the Longhorns over at the Moody Center um, next Monday. If you want to check out the men's basketball team, they'll be playing St. Edwards. It'll be a nice little reunion for Rodney Terry, who is a St. Ed's graduate. That is Monday night. The Longhorns are 18th in their AP poll. Uh, Cross country and soccer, um, they are both heading off the Big 12 championship, um, Big 12 tournament this weekend. The cross country team is in Ames on Saturday. The soccer team is actually in town. Round, Round Rock is hosting that event. And so they start their quarterfinal next Monday against West Virginia. I think that's at 1130 in the morning. So lots of events around town to root on the Longhorns. If you can't make it out to DKR, or even if you can, none of those things overlap. Um, on second thought, that's another thing you can listen to while you're heading out to any of these events. Uh, what are we listening to on Thursday, boys? Crickets. Um, <laughs> efforting guests for on second thought, but we're dropping on Thursday. It'll be hot as usual. We'll look forward to that. Reading on statesman.com, as TJ alluded to as well. I'm going to do a little self-promotion. Um, my Steve Sarkeesian story, that took a lot a lot of time to do. So I hope uh, if you're a Statesman subscriber, if you want to subscribe, you will check that out on the website, as well as all the rest of the stuff we've written um, so far this week. And we'll continue to write as we prepare for either Malik Murphy or Arch Manning's first ever start on Saturday afternoon. But that's going to do it for us. As always, thanks for watching us on YouTube and on the website. Thanks for listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about Kansas State, recap this BYU game, and we just hope you all have a great week and a great weekend. And I guess we'll see you around campus. Deuces.